everybody welcome back okay we're here we are excited we're in good spirits yes we're having some spirits we're having spirits and they're good and our spirits are good (laughs) (laughs) hit me up with a toy from the 80s that you wanted or from your childhood a toy that you wanted but didn't have I had to look through some toys to be reminded of some things. Okay. Because I did have a lot of toys. Yes. And a lake house. Oh, whatever. (laughs) My lake house in Alabama. Alabama. Have you seen pictures of that house? No, I need to, though. (laughs) Okay. Well, then you can stop giving me a hard time. I'm I'm picturing what we're going to cover later on in this episode. That's what I picture. That lake with houses like that. Oh, (laughs) I wish. (laughs) Not so much. I mean, it wasn't like a completely crappy place, but it's not like it was something luxurious. I gotcha. So I actually had posted about the cartoon of this on our Instagram this past week. It's Teddy Ruxpin. Did you have a Teddy Ruxpin? Well, first of all, I always thought it was Teddy Ruxpin. Oh, you didn't realize it was a piece. I was I was about to call you out on it. When reading show notes, <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, that should be a B. And then I was like, well, I better go look that up because she's always right. And you were right. <laughs> <laughs> Did you all hear that? She's always right. Listen, I make no bones about that. You are always right. Well, thank you. It's very kind of you to say, even if it's not true. It is true. Unfortunately, I'm usually wrong. <laughs> like when we were, what song was that? No, yesterday I was right. Yeah, what song? Oh, Hot Stepper. Here comes yes. the Hot Stepper. I was actually right. I was shocked that I was right. Well, what's so funny is that you were like, I felt wrong. I thought I was wrong. And I was like, you were right. I was wrong. For years, I thought it was, turn it out. But it's murderer. I was like, surely it's not murderer. I was like, are you saying murderer? I was getting shamed. I was like, wow, I feel really dumb right now. <laughs> It's okay, though. You were able to shove that one right back in my face. Yes. It felt good. But a lot of people commented to me that they thought the same thing. So I was glad I wasn't the only one. The only power that I have is that I can be very convincing about my nonsense. Oh, you're super convincing about a lot of things. Yeah. He's BSing me 95% of the time. And (laughs) I've had to learn to be less gullible, but I still fall for stuff all the time. On the phone, I could get you. In yes. person. Your I've, face gives it away. Yes, I can't lie. No, because he smiles. I, well, here's the thing. I smile when I'm lying, and then I smile when somebody thinks I'm lying. That's your only saving grace, because yes. then I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. I'll be yeah. like, well, is he lying, or is he just embarrassed? Or does he think, do does I think feel, you think I'm does lying? Does he feel like he's caught? Yes. Or, no, no, no. It's just like, you don't believe me? That makes me smile. Also, when I lie, that makes me smile. <laughs> I thought it was the feeling of like, this would be me if I was sitting in a classroom and a teacher was trying to get someone to confess that to, you know, who put a whoopee cushion on her chair or something like that. And she'd be like, I know that one of you did it. I know somebody did something like trying to coax it out. Mm -hmm. Like one of you is in big trouble. And I would sit there and think. Did I do it? I did it. And I knew I didn't do it, but I would be like, I'm in trouble, right? I I know that it had to be me. 
Was it me? Was I the one that did it? Like, and I know I didn't do it, but I would love to know the psychology behind that. Yeah. So it's got to be like some kind of, it's not a like a syndrome, but you know, it's like there's something to that. Right. It's weird because it's not like there was nothing in my household that would have caused that. You right. know, it's just something that was innate in me. I would love to read up on that. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> what were we talking about? Teddy Ruxpin. Teddy Ruxpin. Yes. yes. My friend had him and it kind of freaked me out a little bit because it was before I think that I had my cricket doll and before, I don't know if it was before or after I watched, it was probably before I ever watched Child's Play. Yeah. I don't it, see you wanting Teddy Ruxpin. Or Cricket because Cricket's face actually kind of looks like Chucky. Yeah. So I think I had them before I watched Child's Play. Okay. But- it still freaked me out to have a doll that, you know, this stuffed teddy bear that was like talking and its eyes were moving and so he would read books to you. Yeah, I had friends who had this toy, but I don't know when it came out. I'm sure it was in a time frame where I might have enjoyed it. I just never really wanted it for some reason. I feel like it was late 80s, but let me look real quick. 85. So okay. that was like kindergarten yeah. age for me. So I was like 10. I was four or five. Or eight, eight to 10, depending on the day. <laughs> yeah, which would make sense because my friend, eight to ten to me, <laughs> because my friend that had it was my friend and that I met in preschool. And then we were separated through elementary years and then came back together for middle school and high school. Oh, and we really? still remained friends through that whole time. Really? Yeah. Oh, nice. Good on our parents for keeping us together, yeah. like continuing to like let us get together and stuff. And that really shaped my whole experience beyond elementary school because I kind of became friends with her friends. Like, I met a lot of people through her. Yeah. And that ended up kind of being, I mean, I was still friends with people that I had gone to elementary school with, but that was like my core group of people that I hung out with was people that I met through her. Yeah. My private school, which, you know, sounds fantastic. (laughs) Sounds very bougie. was very small. I'd have like literally a class of five people or something like that. Yeah. So I was friends with everybody in my class. Right. (laughs) All of them. All five of them. All all four of them, right? Because you're the fifth one. (laughs) Yeah. All right. For me, this was an easy pick Mm -hmm. because I actually have to see this toy all the time at work because there is a collector of these types of toys and he has them in the office. So it's the Millennium Falcon spaceship toy. That would say that on the box. It would say mm-hmm. the Millennium Falcon spaceship. Mm-hmm. But uh, I really wanted that toy so bad. And honestly, it's like 30 bucks. I don't know how I never had it. Well, because like, you had the, a bunch of other Star Wars toys. I would have a lot of action figures. I had the, well, the had, B-Wing. Right. And you had the Ewok Village. I had the Ewok Village. Those were way more expensive than this. So I don't know why Maybe I didn't get the Maybe you just never Falcon. saw it to ask for it or something. Oh, no. You always wanted it. I did. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why I never got it, but my father's friend, I think I've mentioned this, my father's friend's son oh, had yeah. it. So right. I got to play with it. Yeah. It's I always never... nice when your friends at least have toys that, like for me, the Teddy Ruxpin. Yeah. Like at least I have it. memories of playing with it, even though I didn't own one. But it just made me want it even more. Yeah. There was one Christmas where I was pretty young, you know, maybe eight to 11. My dad gave me like 300 bucks. As a Christmas gift. I don't know why I didn't buy it then. You know what I bought? He was just laughing at me the other day about this. I went and bought like $80 worth of batteries. Oh, I remember you (laughs) telling me that. All types, all sizes. So practical. Yeah. I remember I came home with them and my dad is like, what is all that? Because I had like four bags from like CVS. And I was like, (laughs) well, I needed batteries. He's like, how much money did you spend? 
<laughs> I had to show him the receipt. It's like $80. He's like, what is the matter with you? <laughs> this is so you, though, because I love that. That's like a little you making sure that you have exactly what you need to make everything that you had work. Yes. It was all planned out. I knew what sizes I needed and I wanted to make sure I had more than one set. If you want D batteries, they're expensive. Even back then they were expensive. Let me tell you, it is a benefit to be your wife, to be a friend, to be a family member of yours because you just care about making things work. I do. Yeah. That's a good call. You know, so we all benefit from the fact that you are very concerned about that, you know? And I try to think ahead of stuff that will wear out and Mm -hmm. or break Mm -hmm. or, you know, lose its charge. Yeah. Where I have spares of those, you know, from a battery standpoint, from cables, connectors, all that kind of stuff. It's a bit borderline like hoarder-ish or it used to be. I've gotten rid of a lot of stuff. Like I had to go through like my AV cable box at at one point (laughs) or boxes, I should say. Yes. And there was a whole bunch of stuff. It's like, okay, how many S video cables do you need? (laughs) I think the proper answer now is... None, maybe one (laughs) if you're getting a VCR or something like that. Keep one. Right. You don't need 17 because that's probably the amount that I had. But yes, so I don't know how we got sidetracked on that. I don't know. Well, your battery story. Yes. Should I go ahead and start? Let's do it. The first movie that we're going to talk about is Dirty Dancing from 1987. This was one that I loved. Obviously, if you listen to our most recent after school special, I teased it a little bit. Yeah. It was on my honorable mentions of my top five favorite movies from the 80s. Pete, had you seen it before? Yeah, I've seen it. And I I feel like I've watched it all the way through and then I would see snippets. You know, it's just not one that I paid close attention to. But yeah, I'd seen it. Right. Well, it's not so much a musical. There's dancing. But I think that you had this feeling of like probably thinking that everything was like them doing the merengue and not so much like... The love story and the dirty dancing aspect of it. I pictured more dancing, more love story. It was actually quite the drama. It was it was well done. I liked it. Good. Yeah. I figured you might if we if you gave it a shot. Mm -hmm. So obviously we get a lot of our facts from Wikipedia, but this one we also had watched the movies that made us. Yeah. We watched it over Christmas and then we just kind of watched it again today as a refresher. Yeah. If you haven't checked that out, it's on Netflix. Yes. Go give it a peek. It's got this movie and a few others on there. Yeah, I wish they would do more. I do too. Like, it's a lot of fun. Because there's only four on season one. It's this, Ghostbusters, Home Alone, and Die Hard. Die Hard, yeah. And then they did like a season two that was supposed to be, you know, the holiday movies that made us. But it was only two two movies. It was Elf and uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. I was really expecting more. I wonder if it got cut off because of COVID or something. Or if that's all they had Maybe, because there are a lot of interviews and stuff. Yeah. Hopefully they'll come out with more because I really love it. Yeah. The, the Toys the, That Made Us also is great. Yeah, that's a great uh, series as well. It's a lot of fun. I probably never would have, you know, a lot of times we talk about, we say, oh, written and produced by this person. And mm-hmm. if it's not somebody that you've ever heard of, you're just kind of like, eh. But, you know, seeing these people's faces in the movies that made us, you know, was interesting. It was. Written by Eleanor Bergstein and produced by Linda Gottlieb. I feel like it's loosely based on... Eleanor Bergstein's childhood experiences. It's not like a retelling of her childhood, but... It's interesting because it's based on her childhood, but of course she she refuses to be like, don't say I'm baby, except she's the younger daughter of a Jewish doctor from New York. She spent summers with her family in the Catskills, 
where she participated in dirty dancing competitions and she had the nickname Baby. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> and she was very particular about the casting of Johnny Castle, which makes me feel like there was a Johnny Castle for her, yeah. you know? But she still doesn't want people to associate that with her, except it's like, how can you not? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then it was directed by Emil Ardolino, starring the legendary Patrick Swayze mm-hmm. as Johnny Castle. Uh, as we all know, he sadly passed away in 2009 yeah. from pancreatic cancer. Jennifer Grey as Frances Houseman, baby. That was my grandmother's first name, Frances. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I like it. Cynthia Rhodes as Penny. I always thought she was so beautiful. Yeah. She was married to Richard Marks for 25 years. Oh, were they married that long? Yeah. They had oh, wow. three kids together and they divorced in 2014. Oh, well, that sucks. I know. Jerry Orbach played Jake Houseman, Baby's dad. He was mostly known for his role in NYPD for years. Mm. And then he also played Lemire in Beauty and the Beast. Oh, really? Yeah. Like the cartoon? Yes, the animated version. Yeah. He was on a bunch of stuff, obviously, but he passed away in 2004. Mm. There's Kelly Bishop as Marjorie Houseman, Baby's mom. I know her. As Emily Gilmore, Lorelai's mom mm-hmm. on Gilmore Girls. That's how I know her, too. <laughs> I know Gilmore Girls is your fave. Oh, yeah. She also did like a lot of Broadway and dancing and stuff in her years before this. So it's kind of funny that she was in a movie about dancing where she didn't really dance, aside yeah. from at the end. You yep. know? Yeah, you get like a tiny little snippet of her dancing. And you can tell she can move, yep. you know? There's Jane Brucker as Lisa Houseman, baby's sister, her older sister. Mm -hmm. Jack Weston as Max Kellerman. He's the one who owns the resort. Yeah. Lonnie Price as Neil. Max Cantor as Robbie, Mm -hmm. who's a jerk face. He is a jerk face. (laughs) I don't know that I've said jerk face in 20 years. but That's the perfect description for that guy. (laughs) He's a waiter at the resort who is a DA. Mm -hmm. Uh. Charles Coles is Tito Suarez. He's over like the house band. Okay. I don't know what his specific title would be there. Band leader. The band leader? Yeah. That's what I'm going with. All right. He's a lot of fun though. I really love his character. And then Neil Jones as Billy, who was Johnny's cousin. Yes. Who in my mind as a child, I used to think that they were related in real life because I thought that <laughs> I thought that they looked so much alike. Well, good casting job. <laughs> All right, so even though this was made in the 80s, it's set in 63. The Housemans are vacationing at this upscale resort in the Catskills. Mm-hmm. Baby, who's a younger daughter, they get to the resort and she's immediately seeking something separate from her family and all of these things that are going on at this resort that she has zero interest in because she's a teenager. Yeah, it looks pretty lame. It looks like a land cruise. Yeah. Right? Like, it, it looks like the cheesy stuff that people do on cruises. Yeah, which is not any, in my opinion, is not any fun. I agree with you. Do resorts like this really exist? I mean, I, I maybe- I mean, I've never seen one. In the 60s, yeah. they did. They could now still, I don't know. If you know, let us know. So, she gets there and she's she's exploring- I can't recall exactly her age. I feel like she's like 17 or 18. I feel like she's getting ready to go to college. She's talking about going to the Peace Corps. So she's like, she's she's got to be getting. I bet she's getting ready to go into her senior year. Yeah, that would make sense. So she's like off exploring. So she happens upon Kellerman, the owner, talking to the staff Mm -hmm. and basically telling all the waiters 
which would include Robbie, yes. the a-hole, that they should hit on the daughters no yeah. matter what they look like. Even the dogs, he Even says. Even the dogs, he says. Nice. But then, like, then in walks Johnny Castle, and she immediately is like, ooh, who's that? Yeah. You know, she's just spying on everything. And it's like the dancer group of employees or staff are looked upon as, like, the lowbrow, wrong side of the tracks kind of people. Mm -hmm. And they're not allowed to fraternize. I can never say that word. They are not. Fraternize. How do you say it? They are not allowed to fraternize. They're not allowed to fraternize. (laughs) That sounds so wrong. They're not allowed to hook up with the guests. Yes. (laughs) No no funny business. He tells them and she hears it. She sees it, Mm -hmm. you know. And she kind of bonds with... Johnny's cousin, Billy, just because like they were unloading luggage together or whatever. She sees that there's a party going on after hours. She hears music. She's very curious. He's carrying watermelons. And she's like, I want to go. And he's like, no, no guest. And she basically talks him into it. And he lets her go. Those doors open. And that's where the movie gets interesting. There is a bunch of dirty dancing going on. There's a lot of dirty dancing. I mean, it's just a party. So, I mean, it's just a dance, a really fun dance going on. I love that they're hanging out and everyone is like going to town dancing. It's like that is so fun for them yeah. to just be dancing. They're on the dance floor. It's just, I don't know. I remember watching it as a child, probably way too early <laughs> for me to be watching it <laughs> mm-hmm. and being like, what? Because I had never seen anything like that. Yeah. And it was just, Probably felt like how Baby felt in the movie when she walked in and was what like, "What's going on here? What is happening?" And she's just like confused, but she loves it. Yeah, you know, she's very intrigued by it all, and that's where she gets to meet Johnny and all of them in the dancer group are a little skeptical of her. They're cautious about her because she's a guest and she's a, you know, rich girl. And well, the guests aren't supposed to go up there. There's a sign. Right. So, of course, they're, you know. And they can get fired. Absolutely. That they're not allowed to do that. Yeah. So, with Baby coming into this party, she's, like, instantly entangled in the lives of the dancing staff. There's a lot of drama going on. A lot of drama. Penny is pregnant. And we find out that she's pregnant by Robbie, who is the waiter that is... Hitting on baby's sister, Lisa. Yep. So then baby is like trying to protect Lisa, but Lisa doesn't want to hear it because they they don't have a great relationship. No, they don't. Lisa's basically jealous of baby because baby's kind of their dad's favorite. And then because of Penny's pregnancy, it's an unwanted pregnancy. She wants to have an abortion. Baby borrows the money from her father without telling him what it's for. Because remember, it's 1963. Yes, so it's illegal. And he asks her specifically, is it legal? And she's like, of course, daddy. And he gives her the money, like $250. And then she can only get it done on this certain day. And that's when they're supposed to do a performance that they're going to get paid for. And And they need that money. They need it. And they don't want to be fired either. And so that's where Baby agrees that she'll take Penny's place while she's, you know, having this illegal... Abortion. And that's what sparks everything between Baby and Johnny, because we see montage after montage of Baby learning to dance. Right. And that's a big bulk of the movie, which is great because it's all wonderful. And we see, you know, their relationship grow stronger Mm -hmm. through all of that. Penny ends up having a botched abortion. Yeah. Baby has to run to her dad, who's a doctor, to save her. 
then he's disappointed in baby because he realizes that's where the money was going to. And she lied to him and which I don't think she normally had done. Yeah. They had a great relationship before. And so he's hurt. And then there's a lot of stuff going on, but baby and Johnny's relationship has really peaked. And then they find out that someone has been stealing from guests. Johnny gets blamed for it. And baby has to step up and say like in front of her family, Well, Johnny gets framed for it by a jilted lover. That's right. She frames him. An older woman, a married woman who... He turned her down because he was with Baby and he hadn't done that previously. She saw him and Baby like leaving. In the morning, yes. In the morning. And then right after that is when the accusations came. Yeah. So she was feeling rejected. Yes. And bitter. And so even though she's married, she's like pissed off that he's no longer like... Doing whatever she wants because she's rich and throwing money at him. Yep. Obviously, the movie has a lot of layers. Yes. (laughs) But Baby has to... She, like, confesses that she was with Johnny all night, so there's no way he stole anything. So, you know, he has an alibi, but now now her family, and especially her father, knows that she was getting it on with Johnny. Yeah. You know? So it's like she's blowing all of that up, thinking she's saving him, but now his boss knows... That he's fraternizing <laughs> with the guests, which he's not supposed to do. Yeah. And he gets fired anyway. Gets fired anyways. And so now he has to leave. And it's all very, you know, sad and dramatic moment when they have to say goodbye. He goes, we get to the end of the season talent show. And she's sitting at a table with her parents, her sister's performing. And it's all awful. very wonderful and awful. <laughs> <laughs> And I sang the entire song that they were singing (laughs) as we were watching it. Yes, you did. And Johnny walks up to the table and the classic line. Nobody puts baby in a corner. Because she's kind of sitting in a corner. (laughs) They said it's more like a... Like an alcove. They said pillar, but it's more like just like a... What do you call that? Is it an alcove where it's just no, like it's brick coming out from a wall? Right. It's like a pillar. <laughs> well, that's what they said. Yeah. I guess it's a pillar. It's I a don't pillar. know. A covered pillar. But there is technically a corner there. There is a corner there. Supposedly, Patrick Swayze did not like that line at all, but he said it anyway. And then it became a classic. Yep. And he gets her and takes her up there and he takes over the microphone where they're singing the song and he's just like, hey. I do the final song every year, and I'm going to do it this year, and I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. This is not exactly how he said it, but I'm summarizing. It's the gist. (laughs) (laughs) And then they perform the dance that they've been rehearsing the whole time. They also include the dancing staff, like their dirty dancing friends, who are all amazing. It's so funny. I was telling you this. I remember these specific people when I watch, because as a child, I was just mesmerized. Mostly I remember the, the girls, you know, because I'm sure at that point I was like looking at them for like style, you know, like right. a reference of like, oh, this is cool. Like, this is cool. I, I, that's a good idea. Even though it was set in the 60s. To yeah. me, a lot of them look 80s-ish. Right. But it's just always fun to see them, you know, because they're not named or anything. But to me, they're an important part of the movie. And they all do their dance. And then Baby's dad goes to give Robbie, D. Hey, Robbie, his recommendation for medical school. And he's like, good luck in medical school. Here you go. And he hands it to him. And then Robbie's like, hey, thank you so much for what you did for Penny. 
And he's like confessing to him that he's the one that got Penny pregnant. And this whole time he thought that it was Johnny. Yeah, because Johnny like took responsibility for it. Right. Saying like, I'm taking care of her. Yes. And he took that as that was. That meant that he had knocked her up. He had knocked her up and not taken care of, you know, whatever it was that happened. Yes. So that's why he was like hardcore judging Johnny. And now he didn't want baby involved with Johnny. So he realizes that it was Robbie, actually, who Mm -hmm. had been courting his other daughter. Yes. Basically using her to get that recommendation. So then he has to, after the dance and everything, he goes and apologizes to Johnny. He's like, when I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong. And then tells her, you look wonderful up there. It always makes me emotional. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's basically it. It just ends with everybody dancing and happy. And I just. Yeah, like all the dancers really... pull in people from the crowd. Like, yeah, they pull many in. age groups there. And what's funny is that fun. you were like, these people aren't going to care. And I was like, they do care. Look at them. And they were all having a great time. They proved me wrong. They did. In that script. Even the older ladies, they were dancing, having a good time. Yeah. Everybody loved it. What did we name them? Uh, No, no. You were like. It's like Marge. Oh, dance with me, Marge. And I was like, okay, Bernice. (laughs) (laughs) Like Marge throws her uh, fur shawl off. Yes. And she's ready to get down. (laughs) (laughs) It's so great. It's such a fun movie. It is. So just some fun facts. They filmed in two locations. And to me, it's really just fun because one of the locations was Lake Lore, North Carolina. The other one was in Pembroke, Virginia, Hmm. but the Mountain Lake Hotel is still there. And actually, like a a friend that I went to high school with just went there recently for her 40th birthday. Dirty Dancing is her favorite movie, and he took her there. And like so much of it still looks the same. And so I was loving seeing all of her photos. I need to ask her if maybe I can share some of them. Oh, yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. But just I think growing up because North Carolina is not far from here, I just always heard of friends that went there and I've always wanted to go. Is Lake Lure where they have like the lift? Yes. And so that lake has now dried dried up. up Which is sad. The concrete steps are still there that they used for Yeah, and the little, the gazebo is there and all of that. Yeah. So another thing that I thought was interesting that we learned from the movies that made us was that they were considering Billy Zane for the role of Johnny. Yeah. It's funny because they even show test shots of him dancing and it was bad. It was bad. It looked like me trying to <laughs> dance, which would not be good. It I'm was, sure he's a better dancer than I am, but it, it didn't look like Patrick Swayze. No, when you compare, especially when you're seeing it, like they're flashing back between the two of them and it's yeah. like, oh. Like, oh, wow. Some of them really wanted Billy. But what's funny is that they wanted Patrick based on his eyes, actually. Hooded eyes. Uh, the hooded eyes. Eleanor like, Foot. Is her name Eleanor? Okay. Yes. So Eleanor just, she really wanted someone with hooded eyes. Yeah. Which makes me think that her Johnny Castle had hooded eyes. She's right? very specific. Yeah. Or she was very specific about this character. He definitely had hooded eyes. Yes. Her Johnny Castle. So when she saw Patrick Swayze's eyes, she was like, that's it. That's him. That's Johnny Castle. And then they look at his, would you say, resume? What would you say? Um, I forget what that is. So his it's like writer, your, his- it's, it's your headshot on the front. And then it's got your bio on the back, but you know it's got like your skills. Yes, so it's a, his, essentially a resume. Okay, and his said no dancing, no dancing, and that's because he had a football injury where he hurt his knee, 
But he had actually been a professional dancer. Like his mom was like the biggest dance instructor in Texas. Yeah. You know, so he had been trained, but he didn't want to do that anymore. Plus, he, he couldn't really do that anymore because of his injury. And he he just wanted to be an actor. He didn't want to deal with any of that. He had right. been in a lot, you know, the outsiders and some other stuff. But I guess they ended up working that out. I don't remember how it the, ended up. The director knew oh, that Emil, Patrick could dance. Because he was yes. in the dance world. Mm-hmm. So they talked him into it. And... Good thing they did. Yeah. But the thing that was crazy about it, because they were, they were also considering Sarah Jessica Parker. Mm-hmm. As baby. As baby. <laughs> and we knew she could dance because we had seen her in Girls Just Want to Have Fun, where she's a dancer. Oh, I knew that for sure, yeah. <laughs> you, you didn't know that, did you? No, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> that should also have been on my honorable mentions, because that's also one of my favorite movies mm-hmm. from the 80s. But they did a bunch of different combinations uh, between the four of them, between Billy, Sarah Jessica Parker, Jennifer Grey, and Patrick. And it just turned out that the chemistry between Jennifer and Patrick was, as they said, breathtaking. Mm -hmm. And when you see it, like, because they show them screen testing. And I mean, it is. It's noticeable. Palpable. Yeah. But the, the, (laughs) the, the only catch was that Jennifer wanted nothing to do with working with Patrick Swayze. Yeah. She did not want him cast as Johnny Castle. She would beg them not to. She, yes. Or she begged them not to cast And him. this is because they worked together on Red Dawn and they did not get along. No. Uh, so something. Something happened. Yes. Now, what I think is really interesting, and I have my own theories, but I think that people, honestly, what I think is that people are being respectful of his wife yeah. that he had been with forever, a very long lasting relationship. And, but I don't know. It's all guests. All I'm saying is they told Patrick how Jennifer felt. And Patrick went into a room with Jennifer behind closed doors. And they said they were in there for a while, 20 minutes or so. And they both came out with red eyes mm-hmm. and said they would do it. Yeah. Now I'm like, why are you crying? What is going on? What happened in your relationship that you didn't want to work with him and then you had to talk it out and you were both crying? Yeah. I feel like something went on with them, especially because of the way that they did have amazing chemistry. Yeah, it was noticeable. Like you can't, I mean, mean, they're great actors. Yes. But some things are difficult to fake. There's real chemistry between them. But they said, I mean, even his wife was on that, the movies that made us and said that sometimes like if you have the right director, they can make anger and hatred look like passion. Yeah. Because it's all emotion. And I can see that. Yeah, absolutely. Because you look at the scene where she's got her arm up and he's running his hand down her like underarm and she's laughing and he looks annoyed. But like when you watch it without any context, you just think he's acting. But when you find out that he was actually extremely annoyed with her. And then you see his face and you're like, oh, he was really annoyed with her. (laughs) He's like like looking at the director like could we get yeah, like you see him, taken, you please? see him physically, you you see him look at somebody, yeah, like hello. But they kept it all in there because <laughs> it was good I, stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm so glad they did, and that's a great director that kept that in there. Yeah, it's like you know? raw emotion at that point. 
Yes. So I can see that. So maybe nothing did happen. Maybe it really was just, they just did not get along. But I just, I don't know why, you know? I mean, I guess sometimes somebody just, you just don't connect with, but yet you have to work very closely with them. Why would you refuse to work with someone because you didn't connect? I think you refuse to work with someone for different reasons, but it's all supposition and hearsay. Yeah. I mean, in my mind, it's like she was desperately in love with him and he couldn't be with her because he was married. Yes. (laughs) You know, like that's, that's how I feel. Was he married back then? I think they were together like from the seventies. I should look at it. Oh, wow. Hold on. Yeah, they got married in 1975. 1975? Yes. So they were married for 34 years. Holy cow. But, I mean, that's a long time. It is. So, who knows? Like, it could have been really complicated. Or they really just didn't like each other. It could be. We've got no idea. I think I like to romanticize things. And it does really... I mean, their chemistry is crazy. There are some scenes that it's like, hello. When she does the one little swipe across his butt. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Or they're just excellent actors. They are both excellent actors. (laughs) Another thing that I never would have known is that Patrick, we knew he had had the previous knee injury, the football injury, which is why he didn't want to dance. Well, then he wanted to do all of his own stunts (laughs) in the movie. And so then when they were doing like, you know, the scene on the log, where they're dancing on the log, he kept doing like crazy stuff on it. And they were like warning him, you need to be careful because think of all these people that are working on this set. Like they need to be able to still work. And then he ended up getting injured. Whoops. And then they had to delay filming for a while until he could heal. And then they go to film the final scene where they're at the end of the year talent show and he has to jump off the stage. Well, obviously they needed a bunch of shots of him jumping off the stage and he had gotten to a point where he went to the director and he was like, this is the last one. He's like, I've only got one more in me. Yeah. Cause there was no pad down there. He was jumping off a three foot stage, Mm -hmm. doing a kick and then landing on no pad. So it was definitely impacting his knee. Yeah. But she never would have known it. No. So I thought that was interesting to hear about. Obviously, if you've ever watched this movie, it has an amazing soundtrack and it actually generated two multi-platinum albums. Two of them. Multiple singles. Some of my favorites that I feel like I have to mention. Be My Baby by the Ronettes. Big Girls Don't Cry by Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons. Hungry Eyes by Eric Carmen. These Arms of Mine by Otis Redding. Cry to Me by Solomon Burke. Love is Strange by Mickey and Sylvia. She's Like the Wind by Patrick Swayze. By Patrick Swayze. I didn't, you told me that today. You didn't know. I didn't know that was Patrick Swayze. Yes. I remember I did know that as a child. Somehow I knew that that was him. I don't know where I learned it. Probably not only can he, probably from a magazine because I didn't have the internet. Not only can he roundhouse somebody, he can also sing She's Like the Wind. Yeah. He wrote it and sang it. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And then, of course, I've had the time of my life by Bill Medley and Jennifer Warnes. And that won the Golden Globe, the Academy Award for the Best Original Song, and a Grammy for Best Duet. And this was the most interesting fact to me. It has been listed as the third (laughs) most popular song played at funerals in the UK. Really? So they must have a lot of fun funerals in the UK. Because that is a very upbeat, happy song. If anyone from the UK listens and a few people could share, I think do yeah, we have a few loyal listeners in the UK. Yeah, I'd be curious to know the context around that. 
have you ever been to a funeral where this was played? Like if if you're comfortable to share, you know, if it's not a overly painful memory, but I'm just curious, when do they play that? Is it like during like a video montage or it's just played? Uh, you know, what's the context around it? Well, because if you look at the contrast for me, I've had the time of my life was a song that you would play for like a graduation video. Yeah. Like, oh, it's the end of something, but it's not death, you know? So it's just, I thought that was interesting. It is interesting. I never thought about that song with that use case, but. I know. Good job, UK. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. They're doing a real celebration of life. I've had the time of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I actually never watched this, but there was a prequel called Dirty Dancing Havana Nights. Really? The Havana Nights part sounds familiar. And I knew that Patrick Swayze had a cameo, but what I didn't know is that he was paid $5 million to appear in a cameo role as a dance teacher. Huh. We'll have to go check that out. I know. And then there's also a stage version, which had like sellout performances in Australia, Europe, and North America. Nice. And then I do remember this. There was a 2017 remake It was made for TV on ABC. Yeah. It had like Abigail Breslin as baby. Nicole Scherzinger was in there as Penny. Uh, Deborah Messing. But it didn't really have positive reviews. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I sort of remember that, but I I never watched it. And the news that I learned today that I had never, I don't know how I missed it. It was announced in August of 2020 is that they are doing a sequel starring and produced by Jennifer Grey. Oh, really? She's she's going to be in it. Reprising her role as baby. Wow, really? Yeah. Huh. I hadn't heard that. I don't know what they're going to do with it, if she's going to be the owner of Kellerman's (laughs) Resort or what, you know, like, because there won't be a Johnny. So I don't know how they'll do it. But yeah, I mean, that I'll miss Patrick Swayze in it. Oh, of course. But I wonder if maybe she'll show up at the resort with her family because her family used to go there. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's so many ways they could take that. That could be really interesting. I know. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, you have to keep tabs on that. I will. Okay, so I know this was like your first time watching it through different eyes, I feel. It's my first time paying attention to it. Yeah. So what are your favorite moments? I love it's a like you said, it's a big section of the movie. Mm -hmm. But I love the learning to dance montage. Yeah. I mean, how can you not? Yeah, it's like, you know, there's there's a lot of 80s montages, but I do like this one. I think it's really well done. Part of that montage is like the only piece of the movie I really remember when she's dancing on that bridge uh-huh. with like the white railings and stuff on yes. it. But uh, I enjoyed that part of the movie. She's like getting so frustrated with herself because she's by herself yeah. trying to pick up the moves and she keeps messing up. She looks like me playing Just Dance or something. <laughs> <laughs> What I love is the outfit she's wearing because she's got like a bodysuit with shorts and like keds or something, but it looks like an outfit from now. It you does. Know? Yeah, it does for sure. <laughs> Next up, I love when Patrick Swayze beats up Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> he would. <laughs> you give me Patrick Swayze kicking ass. I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. So I, I enjoyed that part. I was like, oh, yeah, get him. Because that dude's getting what he deserved. He did deserve it. He and did. I, what I love is that you see all of the other dancers come out of their cabins yeah. and they're all just like, hey, yeah. Yeah. That's like what you nobody, get. nobody gets involved, but they're all very pleased. Yes. So I like that. Johnny's finally getting what he wanted. 
He's getting some retribution. Yeah. Which is nice. Mm -hmm. It also makes me want to watch Roadhouse. Yeah. You know, that's one that is very vague in my mind. So we should cover that some week. We should, because I've got vivid memories of it. Let's do it. We should do Roadhouse and Cocktail. Oh, that'd be good. I've never seen Cocktail. Really? Yeah. It's... I think I've only just, again, same as Roadhouse, just seen a little bit here and yeah, there. Yeah. So that should be, that should be on our list. I like it. We'll add it to the list. <laughs> the final one is the scene with Baby and her father when they're next to the lake. In the and gazebo. They, in the gazebo. I just thought overall it was really well acted. It was well written. It wasn't cheesy at all. It's like, that's what a daughter might actually say. Or yeah. that's what a person might say to their father. Like... Well, she's basically saying, I know I disappointed you and I'm sorry, but you disappointed me too. Right. You let me down. It was a good conversation between the two of them, mm-hmm. even though it was one-sided. Yeah. He said a lot by saying nothing. Then the emotion attached to it. I was like, I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were actually a little emotional. It surprised me. No, 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 I wasn't. Oh, sorry. Sorry. But it's true. It's like, I want him to say something at the end of that. And you know, like he wants to, but he doesn't. And I think that that actually says everything because you see him tear up and get emotional. You see his lip quiver. He's upset. Yeah. Well, and he gets it because she's basically saying like, I see you. Yeah. I see you actually for who you really are and not like, it's almost like the veil was lifted for both of them because he saw her as this certain person that he had up on this pedestal. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you're not totally that person that I thought you were. And she feels the exact same way. But it's actually probably good. It's like you really connect as people at that point. Because while, yes, it's like a a child and a parent, Mm -hmm. there's still people in the end. Yeah. You're just a person with emotions. You're imperfect on Mm -hmm. both sides. Yes. And I definitely remember having those moments as a person that was, you know, around 18 and 19 Mm -hmm. and having that first, really for me, because I didn't get in a lot of trouble in life. Mm -hmm. Like, growing up but then it was like i want to do these things that kind of go outside of what you want me to do and now our heads butt right you know and i had never had any issues with my dad you know but it was like all of a sudden we're butting heads because i'm actually standing up for what i want to do yeah and that was hard for him to deal with that was probably our most trying time together was that the same age that baby was that transition Mm mm-hmm I had like the trouble cliff. I didn't really get in any legitimate trouble until I did. Yeah. And then I just went off the trouble cliff where (laughs) I just got in all kinds of quote unquote trouble. But it was really me expressing myself as a person all at once. You know, it was like a a switch that flipped. It's such a hard time because I feel like that happens for so many people right when you get to that point where you become an adult. Yeah. It's almost too much to take. Even as that person that's going through it, it's like, you know, like it's just this burst of like freedom. Freedom, emotions you've never felt. It's also like a chemical thing inside of your body. It's like you've never experienced amplification of these emotions that you feel because your hormones are your body is just changing rapidly. Right. You know, in every way, shape and And form. And you feel like you're letting down people that have been there in your whole life. Yeah. Because you suddenly are going against the grain a little bit. Yeah. Or, you know, changing your mind or whatever it is. It's like. Or forming an opinion. 
that, that is you're, your own. <laughs> that you're suddenly brave enough to say. Mm-hmm. It's tough. It's tough, yeah. Yeah. I moved to L.A. But let me tell you, as much as my dad and I butted heads during that time, like I left college and I was like, I'm going to L.A. to be a songwriter. Yeah. Right? My dad did not want me to do that, but he put me on a plane along with my mom, obviously, and shipped all my stuff out to me. Right. They were very supportive, even though we butt heads on it. They still were super supportive. And then I moved back a couple months later. <laughs> yeah, it was like, you know, and then a year later. later, I was ready to move to Orlando. And it was like, oh, here we go again, you know. And then it was like, I moved to Orlando and a little while in, and it was things got difficult. And my dad and my mom were like, no, you're happy there. You stay need there. to stay there. Yeah. You need to figure it out. They knew I was happy there. That was like, that said a lot about my parents, yeah. you know, because it was like, they could have selfishly, I mean, I'm sure they wanted me to be home. Mm-hmm. They were always happy when I was home, but they encouraged me to tough it out there. And I'm so happy they did. Yeah. I'm sure you learned a lot and grew a lot by being out on your own. And I'm sure if I had moved home at that point, I wouldn't have been happy and I probably would have moved somewhere else. Again, in a year, you know? <laughs> they were just saving themselves the expense of moving back and <laughs> right. moving to Alaska or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So those are all your favorite moments? Those are my favorites. What do you have? So I love that first scene where Baby goes with Billy into that after hours party. Yeah. Obviously, like, it's the whole, you know, he's carrying the watermelons. He gives her a watermelon to carry. And when she goes in and... You see everybody dancing and they definitely focus in on all of that. And when she finally meets Johnny. Yeah. And she's like, I carried a watermelon. (laughs) (laughs) And then it's like this instant moment of like he walks away and she's like, I carried a watermelon. Why is that what came out of my mouth? And that was just so relatable because we all say stuff sometimes that we're just like, why did I say that? Yeah. Carried a watermelon. But then, you know, she's mesmerized by like Johnny and Penny coming in and dancing. And then he comes and dances with her. And she's like, you just see her freaking out. But what I love about Baby is that she's just so she's everything that I wanted to be when I think about it, because Mm -hmm. she was so open to whatever was going to happen. She's brave. She was you know? very brave. She would try uncomfortable things. She would. She didn't Which even think she didn't even think it was uncomfortable. She just yeah. did it. Right. And that's where it's like I would stop myself from doing something that could potentially be super fun and life-changing because I was afraid of it. Right. Where she was just like, "Okay, yeah, I'll go do that." I'll dance with this person that I just met. I mean, granted, she thought he was super hot, so she was like, "Yeah, okay." Yeah. You know, but They kind of paint her out to be someone that wouldn't do that. And then all of a sudden she's dancing with this guy at this after hours party. And he's like teaching her how to dirty dance and she can't dance. You know, she's like moving her hips all awkwardly and it's this whole thing. But then it's like she kind of melts into it and it works. And then he walks away and you just see her. She's just like, where'd he go? (laughs) Like, you know, in that moment, like her whole world has been turned upside down by Johnny Castle. Yeah. It's like, this is this guy who's like, would probably be forbidden, which (laughs) I mean, he was. Yeah. You know, and just total opposite of anybody she's ever known in her life. And she meets him and he picks her to come and dance with and in a way that she's never moved before. And it's like, I'm sure it just lit up everything in her, you know? Right. So I, I love that moment. And then 
I love the scene where Love is Strange starts to play, right? Where it's in the like the studio or wherever it is that they're practicing dancing. Yeah. And it's the whole Mickey and Sylvia thing. And they're like lip syncing to it and acting it out and being silly with each other and yeah. just cute. It's such a cute moment. Like, baby. Yeah. I love it. So much. And then they get interrupted by Neil and they have to act like he's just teaching her lessons. Right. But yeah, that that has just always been something that stood out for me as a favorite moment because it's just the best. It's a fun scene for sure. It is. Can we act it out? Absolutely. I always- <laughs> <laughs> Yo, yes, Mickey. How you call your lover boy? Come here, lover boy. And if he doesn't answer... You're wonderful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and then, of course, the final scene where they dance to I Have the Time of My Life. Baby finally does the lift, which is a huge moment. It yeah. always, I know I loved it as a kid, but the few times that I've rewatched it as an adult, I get chills from head to toe. And she finally is up there in that lift and they're so happy. Yeah. And then they're just dancing together once, like the big hoopla is over and everybody's dancing. And then it slows down to the part in the song. Where he's kind of mouthing the words yeah. to her a little bit. I wish that I knew this. I feel like they didn't really talk about this in the movies that made us. If that was scripted or if that was just something that he did. Yeah, that's a good question. Because it almost feels like it would just be something that he did. Yeah. Because it was very normal. Do you know what I mean? Like that was something that we would do. It actually reminded me of you. Yeah. In a way. And I think it's why I've always loved it. But I love it more now because I'm like, I married somebody that would do that. <laughs> Where he's mouthing along the words. And then he's like, and I owe it all to you. He and does, he, it gets he like there. scrunches his nose and he's yeah. like doing it like right in her face. And it's so cute and so real. I just freaking love that moment so much. And I, it's probably because I know that you sing songs in my face all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it. You know, like. I don't know. It's such a good moment. I'm glad you love that moment. And when I sing songs in your face. Always sing songs in my face, please. I promise. (laughs) I do. (laughs) That should have been in our vows. (laughs) I guess that wraps up Dirty Dancing. Wow. I feel like there should be another hour of talking about it because it's so good. There probably could be. But we'll leave it for now. All right. It's time to go back to the future. (laughs) What are you looking at, Spotlight? It's happening. It's happening. It's 1985. It's one of my favorite movies. I love this movie. So this is, of course, starring Michael J. Fox as Marty McFly, Christopher Lloyd as Dr. Emmett Brown, Doc Brown, as he's called, Mm -hmm. Leah Thompson as Lorraine Baines, Crispin Glover as George McFly, Thomas F. Wilson as Biff Tannen. Biff. Old Biff. Claudia Wells as Jennifer Parker, Mark McClure as Dave McFly, Wendy Jo Sperber. (laughs) as Linda McFly and James Tolkien as Mr. Strickland. This was directed by Robert Zemeckis, Mm -hmm. who, you know, obviously has written and directed a lot of awesome films. Yes. He did Romancing the Stone, uh, which I think we should cover at some point. He did the whole Back to the Future trilogy. He also did Forrest Gump, Mm -hmm. Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and one of your favorites, The Polar Express. The Polar Express. (laughs) It was uh, written by Zemeckis and his friend Bob Gale. 
And they had a lot of involvement from Steven Spielberg as well. So a quick summary, Marty goes to help his friend Doc Brown with an experiment, which they make us see that this is normal for Marty. He's always helping Doc Brown do experiments. They give us no backstory on how they met or why he helps him with these experiments, but he does. <laughs> During this, he's accidentally sent back to 1955 in a time-traveling DeLorean. Yes, the DeLorean. It's as amazing as it sounds. When he goes back in time, he doesn't have another plutonium cell, which is required to generate the amount of power that's needed to go back and forth in time. Right. So he can't get back. He finds out he needs 1.21 gigawatts of power. Although I think in the movie they say gigawatts. Yeah. I believe it's gigawatts. <laughs> if I'm wrong, somebody let me know. Oh, they will. What they find out, so he, he actually meets up with the 1955 version of Doc Brown mm -hmm. in the movie. And Marty remembers that the clock tower in the center of town is going to get struck by lightning in a few days. Mm -hmm. So Doc's like, oh. Great that was Scott. The, great Scott. Yeah. That was in the paper, right? Like, it was in the paper. There was like a uh, Save the Clock Tower campaign in 1985, mm -hmm. which recounted when the lightning struck the tower, yes. what happened had never been fixed. A lot of foreshadowing a there. A lot of foreshadowing. Very convenient. <laughs> um, but when Marty's back in 1955, he accidentally prevents his future parents from meeting. Yeah. Which then starts to threaten his very existence. So he has a photo of him with his two siblings. Uh -huh. And slowly but surely, his siblings start to disappear. Conveniently, they start to disappear first and then it gets to Marty. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't remember that. So when I watched it, I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's fun to see that. So part of his job while he's back in time mm -hmm. is to get them back to... Back <laughs> It's to get them to reunite. And so he's working with his dad to try to get him to ask his mom out on a date for the enchantment under the sea dance, mm -hmm. um, while also battling his father's bully, Biff Tannen. And Biff is still his father's bully in 1985, just right. the current version of him. Very, it's actually the exact same things, like where he's knocking him on the head saying, hello, McFly. <laughs> Yeah, they definitely show that nothing has changed. Nothing's changed. So in the end, Marty gets his parents back together. He accidentally invents rock and roll because he's actually a really good musician, which they show, they foreshadow earlier in the, in the movie. Mm -hmm. He's a good musician. He gets back to the future and has an amazing 4x4 Toyota truck. <laughs> waiting for him when he gets there. It was his dream car. It was his dream car. And like his life is better because his dad learned how to stand up for himself and all that. But um, Which he helped happen. Which he helped happen. He helped give his father the confidence he lacked, which is good. Mm -hmm. But a side note, why didn't Marty, when Marty gets back, there's a whole bunch of drama because he has to try to go save Doc. Yeah. Because in the original timeline in 1985, Doc had stolen the plutonium from some Libyan terrorists, and those Libyan terrorists kill Doc. So Marty decides to set the clock back like 10 minutes. It's actually mm -hmm. 11 minutes, but he says 10 minutes, thinking that'll give him enough time to get back and warn Doc so he won't get killed. But it doesn't really work out that way. But he had left Doc a note in 1955. Mm -hmm. The Doc said he didn't want to read, yes. but he actually did read. He ripped it up, but then taped it back together mm -hmm. and had a bulletproof vest on. But why wouldn't he just set the clock back a little bit more? Like give yourself like 45 minutes to an hour. It's like time planning, like how I time plan. <laughs> 
Yeah, you wait until 10 minutes. Yeah, it's like, we need t- to I can do anything in 10 ready. minutes. <laughs> oh, it drives me crazy. I've got to shower, brush my teeth, get dressed, do my hair. I got 10 minutes. It's fine. <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's the gist of the movie, though. Can I ask a quick question? Yes, have at it. Because I was confused. Okay. All right. Back to the Future is, again, I have seen it, but not one that I watched over and over. So it's not ingrained in my mind. Okay. When we rewatched it, there's the end scene where he runs up, like he sees the terrorists coming and he's running to get to the mall parking lot to stop everything from happening. But then he just witnesses what happened and he sees another version of himself. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm confused by that. How so? Why is he seeing another version of himself? Why is it not just he's not there? And you know what I mean? Like, why is there a different version of him? Well, it's like the Avengers. You split your timeline off. That's a new him. When he goes back into time, it's a new version of himself. No, it should just be him traveling. And then he comes back and it's him. But it's him viewing what already happened. It already happened. But what? But he's trying to get there to stop it from happening. I don't get it. Because it's him. He's trying to get back and adjust what happened, which depending on your thoughts of time, which I guess could get extremely complicated and way above my thought level. Because what if he stopped the other version of himself from going back in time? He could have. And then there's just two of them right there. You know what How that does is? does that work? That's called Back to the Future 2. Oh, does that happen in Back to the Future 2? We see semblances of that in Back to uh, the Future okay. 2. I haven't watched that since I was a child. In this type of time travel, their version of it, you're allowed to adjust things that happen. You can go back and change history. Yeah, but I, I just don't understand the being able to then see a different version of yourself. You're allowed to interact. With you're allowed to interact with the timeline in their version of time travel. So if, say he did do what I was suggesting, he went back 20 minutes earlier and got to Doc before he got shot. Then they would have been standing there with another version of himself. Yes, they both would have been standing there and they both would have been him. Hmm. But if he stopped Doc from getting shot, would he then have jumped in the car and traveled back in time? So it's like a paradox at that point. If he adjusts all of that, does he disappear at that point? Because then he never jumps in the DeLorean and time travels. You know, it's like all these paradoxes Hmm. attached to time travel. It just blew my mind up. It it just got really complicated. That was actually way more complicated than I even see the movie being. Yes. Interesting. They kept it simple, which is fine. Yeah. It's much easier to keep it simple. Let's get back to simplicity. Okay. I'm down for that. (laughs) So a fun detail in the opening scene with the clocks, Mm -hmm. they pan past one clock, which has a dude hanging off the minute hand of the clock. Yeah. Which is foreshadowing what happens with Doc later on in the movie when he's (gasps) up on the clock tower and hanging off of the minute hand. Oh, I want to go back and watch that now. So that was pretty fun. That's fun. Now, the time machine... Which in the movie is a DeLorean, I guess a GMC car, but uh, it was Which original. I actually didn't know it was a real car. Oh, I you didn't? Until it, no, I was like, did they make that up for the movie? Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Or no, that was a real car. Real? It was a, a failed car line, I guess. I never had one and I never saw one, but <laughs> they looked pretty sweet. But the DeLorean was originally a refrigerator. Right. So they were going to have the time machine be a fridge. Mm -hmm. Uh, They thankfully adjusted that and came up with the DeLorean as a time machine. But good thing it wasn't a phone booth. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> that could <laughs> have changed. there would have been no Bill and Ted. There would have been no Bill and Ted's. But there was an offer from Ford to switch the DeLorean to a Mustang. 
And I, I think they offered him at the time like 75 grand or something like that, which mm. is probably like 150 grand in today's dollar or something mm. like that. But the writer, Bob Gale, has a famous quote where he's like, Doc Brown doesn't drive a beep Mustang. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they did not go with the Mustang. I don't think that was the heyday for Mustangs, the mid 80s. Because I feel like came, my dad I had think, one. I feel like it came in the 90s. It did. That's when they like revamped the design. I feel like a bunch of my friends in high school that, you know, the ones that had a little more money yep. got Mustang 5.0s for yeah. their birthdays. I had a friend that uh, his mother got a yellow Mustang mm-hmm. 5.0 with a black leather interior, which was super sweet. Mm-hmm. I almost bought a 1987 Mustang 5.0, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, it was like that previous body style that was just not great. It was super boxy and not a great car, so I, I don't blame him for turning it down. <laughs> it's pretty classic now, just not back then. Yeah. So a lot of people know this, but some people don't know that they did originally want Michael J. Fox as Marty, but he couldn't get free. It's uh, a family ties. Because of family ties. Yeah. yeah, which we covered. Family ties. Family ties. <laughs> so they actually shot for five weeks with Eric Stoltz. That I did not know. Yeah. We saw some footage today. Yeah, that was actually really interesting to see and bizarre to see. It was like you were living in an alternate universe. Yeah, because it's in like the, what's that? The diner. Yeah, they're in the diner. It's like when uh, Marty sees his dad and like slowly Mm -hmm. looks past him or, you know, is looking at him in the camera pans. Because they kind of look alike. They do. They look similar. But it's a little off because, oh, that's not Michael. That's not Michael J. Fox. That's Eric Stoltz. Yeah, and you're used to seeing what Michael J. Fox looks like in that scene. So it was weird to see somebody else's take on that. Yeah. Um, and a couple other scenes, but... It definitely felt more serious. It did feel more serious. And that's what Zemeckis ultimately decided was not working. Mm-hmm. The comedic aspect of it wasn't working with Eric yeah. Stoltz. So they wanted to switch to Michael J. Fox. So they went and pleaded with, I guess maybe it's either his agent or the producer for mm-hmm. Family Ties to be like, listen, can we work something out? And they did. It's just like, all right, here's what we work it out. It was the producer of Family Ties. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. So he let him read for it and decide, and, and Michael J. Fox wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. But it's like, okay, well, you're going to concentrate on Family Ties, which is like a nine to five job pretty yeah, much. Yeah, and that show was huge at the time. Huge. So they would do like practice, they would do read-throughs, and then, you know, all their stuff. Mm-hmm. And then he would immediately go from there to shoot Back to the Future till like four. 4.30 in the morning. That makes me so tired to even think about. Yeah. Yeah. So he was, he spoke about that on a, a little uh, special that we saw about how exhausting it was. He was saying that it. someone would put him to bed. They would to- like carry him out of the car and put them to bed. I don't know how real this is, but this yeah. is what he said was that they would carry him out of the car, put him to bed. And then it would be like a couple hours later, put get him, him up and put him <laughs> in the shower. And then he would go in to do family ties. What I read was that was a quote unquote teamster. So it's like, I don't know if it was somebody he knew or just a teamster. Just part of his staff. I don't know. I don't think the teamsters are something different. Teamster. Never heard of the teamsters? They're like a union of people that like do things. Like an assistant? And do things is all across the board. And apparently one of them is put Michael J. Fox to bed and get him up and put him in the shower. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that was before people had like personal assistants? I think so. Huh. That probably shifted, but that's an absolute guess. Interesting. I'd love somebody to educate us. On. I wish somebody knew about it. They yeah. could tell us. Yeah. Another funny note. In the beginning of the movie, it's the Twin Pines Mall. Remember yeah. seeing that? Uh-huh. At the end of the movie, it's actually called 
Lone Pine Mall. Oh. Because when Marty goes back in time, you remember when he, he initially goes back and is on that farm, mm-hmm. crashes into the barn. Mm-hmm. When he's leaving, he runs over one of the pine trees. So it's no longer twin pines. It's only one pine tree. Lone, like L-O-N-E. Lone Pine. <gasps> L-O-N-E. Wow. Yeah, crazy, right? Oh, that's fun. <laughs> that's fun. I thought you meant like L-O-A-N at first. No, Lone. L-O-N-E. Okay. That's funny. This was another piece that actually we noticed mm-hmm. while watching. Mark Campbell actually sang Johnny Be Good in the first two films. Okay, because we were like, that's not him. Yeah. It went uncredited to give the illusion that, that it was Michael, Michael J. Fox, J. Fox was singing. That's yes. BS. It is kind of BS, but you know, whatever. They make a decision. No, it is. He did actually take guitar lessons to make his guitar playing look more authentic. But okay. yeah, it's curious why they wouldn't just credit the guy. I I mean, granted, I know that like you were saying you always just thought it was Michael J. Fox. Yeah, I was just like, that kind of sounds like him. <laughs> but watching it now, it's very obvious. Yeah, that it's, it's like not that's him. A, that's not him for sure. <laughs> I wish I could watch this as like a 35 year old in 1985 to be like, that's not Michael J. Fox. Yeah. You know, like, did they think that? Because, I mean, we were kids. Yeah. I want to know what grownups thought about it. Yeah, that's curious because I saw this in the theater and I, I can still remember sitting in the theater and hearing and feeling and seeing like the mall scene. Like, I, it's still super vivid in my mind. So th- this is one that really stuck with me. As far as a movie going experience, watching it back again, I was just like, wow, that has brought me right back mm. to me sitting in the theater and watching this. That's so fun. So I, never a lot saw different it. I never saw it in the theater. That's crazy. I know. I don't know why it wasn't one that was big in my household. I guess probably because my sister wasn't that into it or something. Mm. I feel like a lot of the movies at that time for me were kind of based upon what my sister was loving. Yeah. You know, because she was like a teen at that point. Yeah. And you just wanted to be like her five or six. So I don't know. I should ask her if she actually remembers liking Back to the Future. Maybe she did. And you were just too young at that point. Maybe. But it's just not one I remember watching a lot of. You missed the window. Some of them, you know, we watched on repeat, but that just wasn't one of them. And Back to the Future 2 or 3? I guess maybe because you missed the first one, you didn't care about the second and third. No, I mean, I recently rewatched all three Mm -hmm. and I remember parts of two, but three, I was like, okay, this Western Yeah, three is when they go back. Yeah. I was just like, eh, but I don't think it was anything I watched. I feel like I don't think I watched it. You know what I found out today was two and three were shot at the same time. Oh, really? They just shot it all together. It's kind of smart. It's what we should do with podcasts. Yeah, just shoot it. Just <laughs> record it all together. We should. <laughs> just hit a cut. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that's all the fun facts that I have. Those are very fun facts. So what are your three favorite moments from this film? Okay. So I really love just the opening scene where you're at Doc's place. Is that, I mean, is that an apartment or? I feel like it's his workshop. It's his workshop. Yeah. But yet. His, Maybe he lives there it's too. It's a place like, because they have it all set up for to feed his dog. Yeah. So I felt like it was his He may just home. live in there. Yeah. But you just see a gazillion clocks all different kinds of clocks. And I love how it just slowly pans around the opening scene of the movie is just panning around all these clocks. Yeah. 
And then you've got the ones that some of them are familiar, like the Felix clock and, mm-hmm. you know, different ones that are hanging on the wall. And then you see all these contraptions and then how it almost reminded me of Pee-wee's Playhouse, you yeah. know, how it's like setting things up to like feed, you know, the dog Einstein some food. It made me think of Goonies. As well. Yeah, Goonies yeah. also. Just that that's always really fun when yeah. you just see someone setting something up like that as a convenience for them. It you is know? fun. Yep. Even though he wasn't there and the dog wasn't there, so it was an overabundance of food. <laughs> so then Marty comes in and it's like, whoa no, yeah. it's not been here. But I just love I love that scene. And then I love when Marty's parents finally come together at the dance and they kiss. And Marty knows then that he and his siblings are not going to disappear from existence. Yeah. You know, you see him like look at his hand. He's like, oh, he's like, oh, he can't play the guitar anymore. He starts to he starts to disappear. Yes. And then he comes back and he's fine because he's like, okay. Right. As soon as they kiss, he's like, wow. I finally made it happen. Yep. Plus, it's just a moment where I will say you and I were talking about this earlier. And this is coming from a person who Back to the Future is not as nostalgic for me as it is for you. So for me, I feel like a lot of these characters are a bit over the top, a little hard to take Mm -hmm. if it's not something that's nostalgic for you. Okay. And so I feel like that's a moment where both of those characters calm down, you know, and they're just they're just normal. It's like they kind of just melt into themselves and each other. And it's it's like a nice moment. That's not yeah. too much. I, I feel like a lot of it is a little too much. I can see that about Marty's dad. Yeah. But I, I think the mom is a bit of a different case. I don't know, though. It's like she just seemed like as soon as he woke up, she just jumped on him. Yeah. She was all about it. So maybe that wasn't abnormal for her. That's maybe. what I've read. But when you, th- it's funny because you think about the fact that like... In present day, present day, she was like, how could that Jennifer Parker call somebody? I would never talk to boys. How could a girl call somebody? I would never call boys. I would never sit in a car with boys. Right. Like she's like really talking about her like she's so horrible. But then we see what she was like as a teenager. Yeah. And she's doing all those things and saying, Marty, this isn't the first time I've sat in a parked car. Yeah. Yeah. She's like being very, not aggressive, but like progressive, I guess you could say. Right. So I don't know. It's just interesting, I guess. It was just a little shocking to me. Plus, you throw in the aspect of the fact that it's his mother. Yeah. And fun note, this script got turned down around 40 times, they said. Because they said it was like incest. It was like, yeah. And Disney specifically was like, hey, man, this is incest, (laughs) which essentially it is. But (laughs) but I get it. I mean, it's not really it's not really because they're actors, but it is weird. There were even if when we watched it a few moments where we were like, "Okay, could you stop looking at her chest? Yes. Because he, in the, when they're in the car, his eyes just keep going. And I'm sure, <laughs> keeps I'm glancing. sure, as just Michael J. Fox, it's a natural thing that he's like, her cleavage is out. And he's like, Ooh, my eyes just keep going there. Or maybe they told him to do that. Yeah. And then where he's like, oh, this is weird because it's my mom, but her boobs are out yeah. and she doesn't look like my mom. So <laughs> <Right>. it's, <laughs> it's a little uncomfortable. It's amazingly awkward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> And then I just love when Marty comes back and he wakes up in bed and it's like that same shot where he's like still got his clothes on and he's wearing the jeans and the suspenders and he comes out and it's a completely different home. His siblings are dressed like little rich kids. It's like a top notch 80s house. 
Yes, it's like the dream. And then you realize that like his dad has followed through with his dreams of writing these science novels. Yeah. And it was inspired by yeah. Marty, by something that he did earlier. Yeah, you know? Because he comes in there as Darth Vader yeah. from the planet Vulcan <laughs> in so his good. like hazmat suit. You know what's funny too is another note that when he puts those headphones on his dad mm-hmm. to wake him up and he puts in the tape, it actually just says, as Eddie Van Halen. Oh. The reason it says Eddie Van Halen, they wanted it to say Van Halen, but they couldn't get the rights from the group. So Eddie Van Halen said, well, I'll play some stuff for you and you put my name on it. Oh, really? <laughs> so it's just Eddie. We're like, wow. Just, oh, that's, that's just funny. Eddie. You know, well, I thought that his dad's like cringing the whole time, but he doesn't just grab his things and pull it off. He probably doesn't know what headphones he are. He doesn't know. He's just like, this stuff is on my ears and I don't know what to do. Maybe just because they're so foreign at that point. I feel like there had to have been headphones in the 50s. I don't know. Good question. Mm, Guess we we should look into that. We're going to have to look. Because that's an unknown. Admittedly. Admittedly. All right, it's my turn. Oh, wait. So his dad writes the novel, like, based on Marty's visit where he's, like, in the hazmat suit, pretending like he's, quote, unquote, Darth Vader, you know, the stuff that he's not aware of, which is just funny. And even in the 80s, it's funny because it's like oh, this is this thing that's current that you don't know about in the 50s. So you see like the cover of the book looks like what Marty looked like when he came to visit him in that suit. And then it's just nice to see that like, oh, he inspired this whole thing and inspired him to also pursue his dreams of writing these silly sci-fi stories that he didn't want to share with anyone. Yeah. You know, he kind of encouraged him to do that. And what that led to was them having a lot of money. Yep. And then also Marty goes out and he sees that he now has the truck that he was dreaming about having. That 4x4 Toyota. Yep. Which that was familiar to me too. I feel like I remember seeing people with that driving around town. That's a sweet truck. <laughs> and then just like carrying on with that little scene, like Doc shows up all of a sudden in the DeLorean. Yeah. And Marty's outside with Jennifer. Jennifer. And Doc says, like, I need your help. It's about your kids. And then he's like, oh, Jennifer. And he's like, well, you can bring her because it concerns her, too. Like, basically confirming that they end up having children together. And the fact that they just jump in the DeLorean and go, because now they know that there's just no real concept of time. It's like... It's normal now. It just doesn't matter because yeah. you can shift to whatever time you need to shift to. Yep. It's this whole new concept that... Other people don't know about, you know, but he's just ready to go, even though he's just zapped back into this time. He just got back. He's ready to just go back in. And then I know you talked about the fact that you were so excited that what was it that he says? He's like, well, the DeLorean is a normal car. Yes. In its original state. Yes. When Doc comes back from the future, Uh it can fly. Right. But then what is it? Why is it that he says we don't need roads? Where are we going? We don't need roads. Is that what he says? Yeah. Marty says, well, Doc, you don't have enough road to get to 88 miles an hour. Right, that's what it was. And so Doc's like, where we're going, we don't don't need need roads. roads. And then he flies. Flies away. I remember being in the theater just like, whoa, I can't wait for the second one. Yeah, because now you know they can fly. Yes, exactly. Which they definitely delivered on because Back to the Future 2 is a low-key great movie. We need to cover it. We do. I'm excited to watch it. I can't wait to cover it. Okay, tell me your favorites. So I love the entire movie. (laughs) 
But all of it is my favorite. All of it is my favorite. One, two, three. But I love the part where Marty's like, it's a term called skitching. It's where you're hitching a ride on a car on a skateboard. So would people actually do that? Uh, yes, people actually do that. And the people that are driving in their cars don't care or I mean, do they get mad? Think like New York City. That's where in cities, that's where this happens. Mm-hmm. Like I can't do that in our town. People will get upset mm-hmm. because first of all, they'll notice <laughs> and it doesn't happen on the regular. Right. So, you know, I've seen skate videos where this happens. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never witnessed it in person, so I don't know how common I would love it is. to witness that. Yes. It's something that would be cool it to It seems see. like something that would happen, I feel like, in the 90s in New York City. That's what yes, I imagine. Absolutely. But here's the thing. Marty does it. He's got no pads. <laughs> yeah, it looked very dangerous. Yeah, and he's going like full car speed, which I don't know if anybody's ever skateboarded or rollerbladed at 30 miles an hour. It's really fast. <laughs> the fastest I've ever gone outside of a car is like 45 miles an hour on skis. Mm-hmm. And that's really, really fast where you're just like, boy, I really hope I don't fall down right now because it might hurt. And I'll probably slide for a long time, which on snow is okay, but on the asphalt, I don't want to... That's not going to be a good time. Yeah. You're not going to have a good time. You're not going to have a good time. But he just showed how talented he is mm-hmm. on his skateboard and how truly brave he is because yeah. that is scary. Riding around that universal lot. Yeah. In that square. Which <laughs> <laughs> is so familiar to me. It's yeah. so fun. And I also love the scene where Marty invents rock and roll. Yes. I just, I, I know you have a problem with it because they didn't credit it properly, which I get. But I just love that scene overall where he's just ready to crank it out on the guitar and have a good time. And then it ends with him going full mid 80s, 90s, where he's like sliding on the floor and just destroying the guitar and kicking over amps and yeah. everybody's just staring at him. They're like, all just like, what is yeah. happening? Like, this has gone off the rails. Yeah. We were into it in the beginning. We're not into it now. (laughs) So I always like that scene. My third one is a a tiny little part, but I've always loved that scene where Doc builds like a mock town in no time. Yeah. And like apologizes because it's like not to scale. (laughs) And he's got like that little wind up car where he's going to show Marty what's going to happen. Yeah. And he's like, release. (laughs) And the car explodes and. Goes across the floor and catches on fire. And yeah, I'm like, like uh oh. <laughs> so those are my favorite parts overall. Yeah, that's yeah. fun. Yeah. Well, that brings us to a close on Back to the Future. One of All my right. faves, one of your less faves, but it's fine. <laughs> it's fine because we talked about one of my faves and one of your less faves yeah. earlier. It's yeah. a give and take it's around take. here. That's yes. what we do. Yes. So, toys. Ooh, yes. What toys do we have this What are you going to talk about? This is yet another gift, but I believe this was... I have gifted you with this... This toy set. (laughs) Was this an anniversary gift, I believe? Uh, Or was this a Christmas? I actually think I gave that to you for your birthday. So, this was a birthday gift. So, his birthday is in December and around, you know, near Christmas. So, that was kind of why it was a Christmas gift. Yeah, but this is the Spider-Man Holiday Special. And it's got Spider-Man and Mary Jane both in like Santa hats or Santa outfits. Mary Jane's actually in a full Santa outfit. Yeah. Mrs. Claus outfit, whatever it is. But Mm -hmm. Spidey's got a Santa hat on and it is legit and it is incredible. It is in fantastic shape. It is, except it's a little yellowed, I will say. The plastic 
window it's is like, definitely yellow, which like to set, me is awesome. It's like it's set in a store window or yes, something. Yes, I think it's sat in a store window and got yellowed, but I feel like this is from 1997. Yes. But yeah, it's got a, a holiday magnet in there, which you can't see, <laughs> which I want to open up <laughs> Through so the yellowed bad. plastic? Yeah. But that's okay. It is a limited edition, mm-hmm. one of 35,000. Oh. So the longer I hold on to this the more rare it becomes. <laughs> but anyways, yes, that's my toy for this week. Well, and I don't know if you've really talked about how much you love Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. I'm a big Spider-Man fan. And for our wedding, actually, I gave him, as a part of my wedding gift It was to him, my groom's gift, right? Yes. Is that what it's called? I guess so. My gift to you on our wedding day. Yes. Was the comic book, which was the wedding edition of when Spider-Man and Mary Jane got married. Yeah. It's actually sitting on our desk. Encased. Encased in glass for all time. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. He really loves Spider-Man. And I we, do love Spider-Man. we actually, we've been, our first Halloween dress up was as Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy. And then the next year we shifted to Spider-Man and Mary Jane and he worked so hard on his costume. Yeah. I feel like I spent like 300 hours making my spider-man outfit it was actually pretty good <laughs> he did he worked very hard on it it came out as good as i expected it, it was to. great we should yeah. share pictures of that we can yeah i don't think i have yet on there what do you have over there all right i have one of my faves i think it comes in possibly second to peaches and cream or tied the peaches and cream is my favorite barbie right this is dream glow barbie wow look at her i can see the back panel mm-hmm. you see the the reason why i loved her that okay? is amazing she glowed in the dark wow her dress and actually dream glow kin his vest his vest glowed, glowed in the dark nice with the stars she has stars all over her. He has stars on his vest. And then she also has a parasol. I think that's what it's called. I think that's right. That glows in the dark. Honestly, I don't know if she still glows in the dark. Should I take her right now in the bathroom and see if she glows in the dark? Yeah, let's see. I'm going to do it. Hold, please. Do it. She does not still glow in the dark. (laughs) What if we charged her up, though? Maybe if we, like, blasted her with a a flashlight or something. That's true. Listen, because... She has been sitting in a room that's dark, so maybe if we shine some light on her, she would glow. But I remember having her as a child and loving her so much. It blew my mind up that she glowed in the dark. It looks like she would be very magical. Do you see her? She also has the same situation that a lot of the other Barbies I've talked about have had where you can wear this shawl situation (laughs) in a bunch of different ways. Look, you can wear it on your head. On your head, yeah, look at that. See that one? Yeah. And then around your shoulders and then your waist and then on the parasol. There's a lot of options. Okay. It says intensity of glow varies with amount of light used. Yes. So, I mean, those are like photosensitive. So I feel like we could blast it with some light. See if it glows right now. We should try that. I'll do it right now. I'll do it right now. Editor's note. We decided to test out the flashlight and what you hear next is our reaction to it. (gasps) Told ya. Oh my god. Oh my god. That just lit my life up. I figured. <gasps> okay, we're back. We're back. We just did the experiment. She lit up right away and it lit up my life. She is still glowing in the dark. I'm so. <laughs> and you were glowing in the light. <laughs> I can't. 
I am so happy. That was amazing. I just felt like I was, what year is this? Hold on. Let me look. 85. I just felt like I was a six-year-old. Looking at this Barbie for the first time glowing in the dark. I'm not kidding. My eyes teared up. My eyes are teary right now. The way that she just glowed. <gasps> that was wonderful. When we, I, I pulled that away and it, she was glowing. I was like, <gasps> I didn't even expect it, to be honest with you. We got her back in the summertime, mm-hmm. but we did not test out if she still glowed. We didn't. That's the first time we've tried that. Oh, I am so happy. <laughs> I can't believe she still glows. What a great ending to this episode. Oh, I'm so happy. Well, that's it for this week. We're done. (laughs) We're done. We are done. Done. Or as Sammy Sweetheart would say on Jersey Shore, Jun. Jun. Just as a reminder, if you would like to come be a patron on Patreon and support us, you can go to patreon.com slash we don't want to grow up. You can follow us on Instagram at... We don't want to grow up pod or join our Facebook group. We don't want to grow up exclamation point. You can send an email to we don't want to grow up pod at gmail.com. Send us your photos. Send us ideas of top fives that we can do for our after school special. What's our website? www.wedontwantogrowup.com. There you go. Thanks for listening and we'll see you soon. We'll see you all soon. Bye bye.